Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, examine, question, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'd like to thank our sponsor, The Money Nerve, a financial resource that helps you have a healthier relationship with money. Do you feel shame around your past financial decisions? Do you feel alone in your financial struggles? Do you self-sabotage your potential financial successes? Do you keep making the same choices, expecting different results? The Money Nerve has just launched a new online course called The Course to Financial Freedom. To learn more, go to themoneynerve.com forward slash course. The Money Nerve has an offer to all Money You Should Ask listeners for a 25% discount on the course. Use code MYSA, all caps, 25, and start your course to financial freedom now. Thanks again to our sponsor, The Money Nerve. Well, I am actually delighted today to have our guest um, who is Los Angeles bred and Brooklyn based. Um, she's a screenwriter and a playwright, uh, Scarlett McCarthy. Awesome to have you. Um, I, she's written, a, I'm going to name a few of her plays because I love the titles. Spandex Only Hides So Much, Bury Me in Leggings, You Are Glowing, What's Up America, I'm Reptilian, If We Don't Have Sex, I'm Gonna Die, and Augmentation are just a few. Um, she is the founder of Literally Broke, a personal finance company aimed at helping artists and creatives manage their money. So I'm excited to talk about that. She's a graduate of NYU where she studied dramatic writing and social and cultural analysis. We connected through FinCon, and um, I want to give a shout out to FinCon because it's an amazing community that connects folks with other folks who create new media, blogging, po podcasting, social media, and video about financial topics like debt, investing, and coupons um, to help educate um, people about financial literacy. Uh, Scarlett, thank you so much for joining. Happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be talking with you. So I, um, I love, I love that you're a playwright. I is like when you were a kid, did you say I want to write plays and I want to, like, what was your dream? Yeah, I decided I wanted to be a writer when I was eight years old, which was definitely not great news to my parents. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. yeah, both my parents are artists. Um, they had me super young. So they were like, Oh, gosh, this is like this girl's destined for a lifetime of disappointment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but and then in high school, I discovered plays, um, I really hadn't seen anything besides musicals. And I discovered, you know, drama could be a thing. Yeah. And applied to NYU and got in and I have been writing plays ever since. Wow. That's awesome. Well, NYU is the place I think, or one of the places if you're going to if you're going to do that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. And so your parents weren't super excited. Um do you have siblings? No, it's just me. It's just you. Okay. Yeah. So it, all right. So they didn't have to handle five mouths to feed. Um That's No. Good. No, no, just me. Yeah. Um how and how was that being an only child? Um and did they when they did they express disappointment? I mean, I know they like did they feign disappointment or did they really support you on certain ways? How was that? Yeah. I mean, my parents are so supportive. I just think originally with the decision to be a writer when you're eight, it's like definitely not what you want to hear. 
Um, but no, they're the most supportive parents in the world. Um, when I was in high school, I actually like went to boarding school for writing um, because I just was really unhappy in public school. So they have completely supported it. And I mean, have definitely suffered financially as a result of that yeah. a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you grow up with, because they were both artists, did you grow up with the conversations that artists are going to be broke or uh, what were the mantras? What were the beliefs that your parents laid out for you early? Yeah, um, it was definitely really complicated. I grew up in Beverly Hills um, ah. <laughs> because my parents wanted me to be in the school district, but I grew up in a one bedroom apartment. So compared to all the other kids at school, I constantly felt like less than like I had no money. Um, and like a lot of shame around that, I think. Um, yeah. But, but my parents were just so young and doing like totally the best they could. Um, but yeah, there definitely was this like understanding that they had kind of made a life choice to have less money than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something as I've gotten older, I understand more. But definitely now as I've gotten older and I'm thinking about like, when do I want to have a family? It's super complicated when you have, when, you know, when your career path is the arts. Yeah. Do you believe in the starving artist theory that you have to starve for your art? No. Um, I think that, you know, definitely there are sacrifices to be made to make art. Um, I think that, you know, part of like, it definitely is a cost benefit analysis. Every job I've had has, you know, if if you're making more money, you're thinking, am I not working enough on my art? Am I like giving up part of myself? And I think like, that is super difficult and something we all have to kind of work through as artists. Um, but coming out of college, I, you know, didn't want, I knew that I didn't want to have that um, and feel like I'd given up. Cause I think that's really common um, coming out of programs like NYU's and stuff like that. You kind of come out and take the first industry job you can. Um, but that also has, you know, risks involved with the fact that you may not pursue your art in the end. You may, you know, follow like the path of least resistance, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of the reason I started literally broke as I want people to know how to manage their money, even if like they're working three, you know, serving jobs. I think that that's right. super important. We shouldn't be like sacrificing our actual goals for financial stability. Yeah. And how do you, um, you know, there's sort of a joke, but it's probably not. There's a joke in LA that I'm realizing if you're on the receiving end, it's pro- not probably not as funny, but mm-hmm. people will say, you know, oh, I'm a director, I am an actor, I'm a writer, and then it'll be followed up with, what restaurant do you work at, right? right? And, you know, <laughs> and that's a little mean, I think, but because I do really believe this piece about um, working jobs that help support your dream, like not every job is the the all, the the end, yeah. like, but it's an, it's a means to an end. And mm-hmm. so like, I really actually support that. So I, I don't think I'll tell that joke anymore, but like, I mean, that is a, you know, that is yeah. pretty common. And I, I imagine as somebody that's like really pursuing their dream, you know, deep down, like artists are artists and um, they're going to find, I think they'll, will try to find any way they can to uh, nurture that creativity. Yeah, totally. And do you, how do you, like now you're in New York, you've got literally broke going on. How do you balance your current life? Like what's the balance now? And, and, and how often do you look at it and reevaluate? Do you look at it and reevaluate? And, and what are, what are the big struggles? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm four years out of college now. I think a lot of the evaluation was at the very beginning. Um, coming out of college, I was like, I have to get a full-time job. If I don't, I felt like there was some kind of like failure thing involved because I knew that I had, you know, taken out student loans and had to pay those back and kind of had to, I think I felt like I had to have a return on my education. So I took a full-time job that I hated, was miserable, had anxiety attacks like every day because um, it just felt so out of line with what I really wanted. Um, and I think ever since that, I've, it's been a constant kind of struggle to balance those two things. And like, um, I think I still go through it where I'm like, is this, you know, what I'm doing in my day job, which I actually really enjoy and is in media. Um, is that like actually serving my goals? And it totally has. Um, I'm uh, like kind of like an office assistant receptionist. So in my downtime, I do get to write and my company is super supportive of that, which has been amazing. Um, but I've also, you know, had a thousand side hustles um, in order to, you know, pay back my loans quicker, you know, um, try and self-produce, try and travel, try and have balance. Um, I, I mean, even now I have a full-time job, probably like three side hustles. So it's, it's never ending, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Why is it important for you to pursue your art? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's, you know, really tied to, I mean, I think when you're ever in your situation and you can just kind of feel in your heart that you're not on the right path, I think that's been situations where I'm not writing. Um, I just think I feel very strongly called to write. Um, I don't really know exactly where that comes from, but um, imagining my life without, you know, writing and creating, um, it's so inseparable from like my identity. Yeah. What do you want people to take away from your writing? Like when they see a play, when they read your words, mm -hmm. when they see it acted out, what do you want people to take away? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely want people to think about it. I don't necessarily think that I want people to like walk away with like a certain lesson or a certain message, um, but just a way of like viewing the world. I think I'm really interested in like the tensions that come with being a woman um, and how like the things that disempower you can also be what feels empowering. Mm -hmm. Um so those are the kinds of things I'm interested in kind of like wrestling with my on my own and in my writing. So, I mean, I want people to walk away, I think, just thinking, you know, critically about like the life they're leading and where they're finding power and like the moments where they feel that. Mm -hmm. And what are you aware of any financial imbalances in your own life as being a woman, as being an artist? Um, and what what are those challenges like? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, technically, I've only ever made, I think, $50 off of playwriting. So that's, you know, that's rough. I mean, I can't, I think that you have to have a certain degree of privilege to be pursuing this art form um, that, you know, there isn't a huge financial return on even for the people at the very top. Um, I mean, I took out, I took out student loans, my dad took out student loans for me to attend NYU, get a BFA. It's looking back, it feels so crazy. Um, and so there's definitely things where I'm like, this feels like I'm just like stacked, like things are kind of stacked in a way that like, it's so easy to fail and feel like you yeah. should just quit because yeah. you have like the student loan debt and even negative net worth. And um, it's super disempowering. And I think that obviously compounds if you have like other identities in the mix, if you're like a person of color. Um, so, I mean, I'm super obviously privileged, but I mean, it definitely is a thing where you see people succeeding in the arts and you know that like their parents are kind of fronting that bell. So it's yeah. hard. Yeah.
Um, what keeps you going though? I mean, I know it's like, it's in you, like, how do you not get discouraged? Or when you do get discouraged, how do you pick yourself back up and go, this is what I've chosen. This is my path to happiness. Yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, it's super cheesy. I mean, there are so many times where I've just been like sobbing and have to go on a walk and like listen to a playlist of like inspirational songs. Uh Um, there's like, no, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of just like, you know, that even when the times you really want to give up, I mean, there've been so many times I was studying for the LSAT for a while. I was like, you know what? I'm giving up going to law school. (laughs) And then, you know, obviously that's also hard. I think the idea that like these backup plans are easy options is also kind of crazy because people dream of going to law school. Um, But in the arts, you're like, that's the thing I'll do. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's just a thing of like being like, okay, you know, am I going to be the person who quits? And that's okay if you are, but, you kind of have to constantly talk to yourself and be like your own hype man. And I mean, it's awesome if you have people in your corner who will alter that, which I'm, I'm really lucky to have, but you know, you have to be like, okay, this is what I committed to. This is still what I want. So we're getting back up the, off the floor, so to speak and marching on. Yeah. Do you, um, do you budget now? Do you save or, I mean, are you trying to, you know, do some of those practical steps to have a safe, some kind of safety net or an emergency fund? Yeah. Um, so I do save, I'm an active saver. Um, I do have an emergency fund. I, I budget less now. So, uh, in January, 2019, kind of when I began like my financial journey, so to speak, I had my net worth was like negative 35,000. It was a mix of student loans and credit cards. Um, because I just really didn't understand how money added up at all. Um, and so I started following a cash budget. Um, I had my, my paperclip system. It was a very Dave Ramsey esque scenario. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I was paying for cash at bars in New York. And when I hit my limit, I was like, sorry guys, gotta go home. Um, so I, you now I kind of know, uh, my boundaries and I know like what I'm comfortable spending. And it's kind of like a more mindful thing. I just put it, I, you know, know what I have to pay off on my credit card every month and what I can hit. And like, I don't monitor my actual categories too much because that makes me a little bit crazy, but now I kind of have an intuitive sense and then all my savings is automated and then all my side hustle income goes towards my student loans. So, you know, I'm, I'm, my goal this year is to hopefully reach being like net worth positive by the end of 2020. So Mm -hmm. crossing my fingers (laughs) on my way there. Awesome. Awesome. Let me ask you this, because this is so like, I think this is so important. And I think a lot of people don't have the the self-discipline to do what you did. Um, Mm -hmm. How was it to say to your friends, I've hit my budget. Um, I'm not buying any more drinks. I'm done for the night. Like, how was that like physically, uh, emotionally? um, And how did people receive it? Yeah, um, it, it was super stressful to me because I think a lot of the reason I got into debt in credit card debt in the first place was because of this, um, like longing to feel like I belonged or, you know, fit in with like the people I went to school with at NYU. And I also, you know, went to boarding school and I had a huge scholarship, but I, and I grew up Beverly Hills. So I always, my whole life had this thing of like other people I'm the friends I have, have more money than me. And like, yeah. how can I kind of like bridge that gap? And I think a really easy trap to fall into that, that is debt. Um, but I think, you know, obviously you kind of realize none of my friends were like, Scarlett, that's crazy. They were all like, cool. Like that's, I think people, once you become vulnerable enough to talk about money, um, are open to it because everyone, even if your family is well off, even if you have a trust fund, 
everyone struggles with how to manage money and has the feeling like they don't have money, even people who do. Right. Right. It doesn't matter how many zeros come after the one. Um, there's still going to be some challenges, um, yeah. you know, and I know I, I have friends that will say, well, I'd rather try to struggle at four million dollars in my trust fund um, and, and have that misery. But but it it doesn't take away from the fact that there are emotional mm-hmm. uh, beliefs around ourselves about being enough or being worthy or. Are, is everybody judging me because I'm from the one bedroom apartment? Um, you know, I, I went to a, a college with a very wealthy, wealthy students. People flew in on their private jets and everybody drove Maseratis. And I had a $200 Plymouth Fury that was 30 years old and yeah. on scholarship. And so, yeah, it was, you know, I was the country bumpkin uh, with all these uh, people, and it was a little intimidating initially, um, and eye-opening to see how other people in the world lived. Because uh, yeah. I grew up in a very small town and a very narrow perspective, I think. Um, do you feel like before you told people, or at least in high school, did you feel like people knew that you didn't have as much money? Did you feel judgment, or was it more your own internal story? Um. It's hard because I think my parents, um, my, you know, some of my family members, my parents' families technically have money. So there was always ways of kind of going around things, you know, having, you know, my grandma pay for my birthday parties, having my grandma pay for summer camp, things like that. Um, My parents also aren't the best at managing money. Um, (laughs) So there was a lot of like, we spent all this money on X, Y, Z. Now they were just like, and there's a constant kind of level of stress. Um. So on one hand, I think, I think I probably, you know, passed as being affluent and no one, you know, thought anything of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they'd come back to my apartment and see that obviously this was not equating. You can be dressed in like the same kind of clothing, but you know, my parents still are struggling technically. I mean, they wouldn't say that, but from where they could have been, you know, had they not had a child that young, it's, you know, you're kind of set up for um, a different life. Yeah, it's it's uh, sort of reminds me of um, I think that movie was Lady Bird. <laughs> I yeah. don't know <laughs> where is she, you know, the Sacramento girl trying to uh, not that you're on the wrong side of the tracks, but just trying to fit in with with everybody else. You're, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a scene in the movie where they're um, they go to like all the houses and look at them, and that was yeah. something my mom and I used to do. We used to go drive through like the hills of Beverly Hills and be like, oh, that's the one we're gonna buy. Like once, like. XYZ happens for their art, you know? So there was this, there was always a sense of like, oh, money's coming. It's coming. Right. We're going to have our big break and like we'll all be rich and then everyone else will like, they won't matter. Right. Exactly. And <laughs> have you come, like, do you still have that um, longing for money to come or are you at peace that whether it comes or not, it's going to be okay? Or, or like, where, where do you feel like you are? uh emotionally around all that yeah i mean now i think i realize that how you manage money matters so much more than your income level obviously we see countless celebrities like squander what they've earned um Mm -hmm. if you don't know how to manage it when it comes then you're you're you can be really screwed and you know really vulnerable to a lot of people who want to take advantage of you or your own whims Mm -hmm. um so i think now i'm more of a sense of like you know i'm i'm very fortunate in so many ways i have more than i like really need and i think maintaining like a practice of gratitude is like so important in order to like kind of understand 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What was the, what was the impetus that made you decide to get on this money path? Like did some specific incident happen and you said tomorrow I'm starting fresh. Yeah. Um, kind of, I think there was like a, kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Um, I was out to, it had just been one of my best friend's birthdays. We went out to dinner and obviously it was her birthday. I was like, Oh, I have to pay for this. And then we went out to drinks and we had, I was like, oh God, I have to pay for this. And so I just put it on my credit card and I like had, a, I just realized like I should not be putting someone's, I should not feel so stressed up celebrating someone's birthday. Like I'm right. able to pay for this and not feel stressed, not like I'm accruing more debt and like I have to like answer for it later. Um, yeah. So I was just like, I'm done. And the next day I listed out all my debt in a Google Excel sheet and was like, Google sheet and was yeah. like, this is it. I'm going to knock this all out. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. And with um, literally broke, like, mm -hmm. do you meet with people one-on-one? -on -one? Do you have groups and people can, or is it a resource? Like, and, and, and what was the impetus for that? Like knowing that other artists struggle, but like, again, what, what led you to that? Cause you could be working another job to make some extra money to pay off some, like, but you said, no, I'm going to do this. Yeah, um, it was a few things. So last year I self-produced my first play, Bear Me My Leggings. And I was like, I was Googling, like, how do you self-produce a play? How, like, And there just aren't that many resources for, you know, how you fund a project you really want to fund without, like, putting yourself into, like, financial insecurity. Um, so that was one of the reasons. And then also, I mean, a lot of, it, there is a lot of personal finance content targeted at women. But it's really targeted at women who are, like, trying to climb a corporate ladder or have like a very um, linear career path. And as someone who, you know, my current day job is not necessarily like my dream job. Because um, I mean, my dream job is, you know, being like a showrunner, kind of like being, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that but like, how do you get there from where you are? Um, and just kind of like the practical advice that like artists need to both like fund their dreams and, uh, you know, pursue their like career that they do want, which is not so linear. It's very circuitous and weird. Um, so kind of, I wanted to create what I wanted. Um, and then co currently I'm not meeting with anyone. I just started doing workshops though. Um, because once the protest started, I was like, I feel like I need to be, um, like helping fundraise in some way. So I'm doing uh, pay what you can budgeting workshops right now, um, on Saturdays and all the funds raised are going towards bail funds. Um, and so that feels really cool. And it feels like I'm like developing something that um, I feel excited about and also like has a give back component. Um, I'm struggling though with like how to know like what literally broke's future is though for sure, because right now it is a blog, but a blog on its own is not necessarily like a money maker. Yeah. No, but it's informational and uh, it's advocacy and yeah. uh, I think helps give people support or hope um, that are artists. So I yeah. think that's awesome. Um, all right. I'm going to take a turn where, uh, to a completely different, where do what is one of your money vices? Where do you spend money where you probably shouldn't, but like, I got to. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I'm the, the classic. I, I love a Starbucks trip. Um, so <laughs> I'm very guilty of that. <laughs> what, what is, what feels so good about that? Like, what's the pleasure? Yeah, I think it's the ritual. I think there's something about either starting your day, you know, it's just like the, the idea that like, I mean, when I was going to my office job every day, it was like going and getting it and having them like, 
mobile mobile ordering it. It just feels like magic, and then it's there, and it's exactly what you want every time. There's something just so pleasurable about that. Yeah. Um, and now in quarantine, it's like the thing that kind of breaks up my day. Like at 3 p.m., I'm like, okay, I've done enough work. I can go get a Starbucks, <laughs> which is so bad. I mean, I, I, I've also been going to local businesses. I don't want to, like, be the worst person ever, but – um, okay, yeah. so you go you go to Pete's or you go to Johnny's Coffee. It's not just not just Starbucks, but I am um, you know I love to go get a coffee, and I think I think you can't take it away from me. Ah, and what's your average a daily uh, coffee budget? Five dollars. I'm five dollars. Yeah, not crazy. I think my I think my Starbucks order is like four thirty seven. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and that's budgeted in. Yeah, I know that that's like what I spend and. I'm a piece of it. Now, some people, if they hear this, might say, well, coffee, uh, that's one of the things you're supposed to take out of the budget. Like, I mean, I, I even, you know, I know for me, um, I used to go to Coffee Bean mm-hmm. and Pete's, um, not as much Starbucks because I Coffee Bean was first and I, uh, you know, wanted to give them the props, but had to have a Frappuccino and mm-hmm. it had to be the large one because it's a better deal. And Oh, well, maybe the croissant and, and, oh, or the, the ham sandwich. And, and I would do that every day mm-hmm. and I'm, oh my God, I'm spent. So, and I couldn't get, so I had to wean myself off cause I, I was being ridiculous. Um, so then I made it every Friday and then on Fridays I could have the large Frappuccino. Um, now I don't go, now I actually bought an espresso machine and I make a lot of my own stuff. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, it's just funny. So people would, some people might give you grief about that, but I love that. I, this is what I want. It's in my budget. I'm gonna drink my coffee. So back off. <laughs> I am very pro people buying the things that like they value, and if it brings you joy, like absolutely good for you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. What do you not like to spend money on? Um, honestly, clothing, I really don't like to buy clothing. I don't like to buy, um, just like weird things. I like, don't really like to buy like for skincare or things like that. I like buy everything at Trader Joe's. I'm really cheap about stuff that other people are like really gung ho about and like indulging in. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't like spending money on clothes either. People give me a lot of grief. Um, I'm very cheap. Um, Very cheap. Um, now, I know it's too early to ask this because um, I, I know that you're going to have a long, long career and things are going to be amazing. But if you had to write your own obituary today, what accomplishments would you want to ac- include? And what would you want some of those future accomplishments um, be? Oh, um, I mean, I think I'm really I'm really proud of Literally Broke. I'm really proud of all the things I've written. Um, future accomplishments. I mean, I would love to, you know, I really look up to like Ryan Murphy and Shonda Rhimes. Those are the kind of careers I want to emulate. I want to, um, have a mini empire, so to speak. So, um, (laughs) I mean, I would, I mean, along like, but at the end of the day, I would really love, like, love to be, have accomplished something that like helps people and brings people joy and, um, you know, changes the world for the better. I don't want to, you know, money is not the goal or like the accomplishment is the goal. Yeah. And what, in, in helping people, um, what do you want your footprint to be? What do you want the legacy to be? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm very passionate and I feel very strongly that like my mission in life and whatever I do is like to 
help women and girls. Um, and I felt that for a long time. So I'm very passionate about intersectional feminism and making sure that, um, you know, women have equity, no matter like their race background, um, where they're located. So that's something I'm really passionate about. And obviously as I, like, if I were to have more money one day, I would definitely be throwing all my money into that. And what, what would you say to young women today, women of color, women with disabilities, women with uh, challenges of all kinds? What would you say to young women today coming from, from you? Oh, um, I mean, it's so complicated, but I mean, I think that knowing that what's, Knowing that like you are part of like a lineage is something I feel very strongly and I just constantly think about, you know, my own, my mother, my grandmother and how um, things have just are so different within such a short period of time. But feeling like you do owe something to those who came before you, I think Mm -hmm. is really important and to those who came after you. Mm -hmm. Um, And having that in mind with anything you do really is like, how is it impacting those who come later and like paying homage in a way to like those who came before you? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I'm a big, uh, a big, uh, ally of women's rights. Um, I have a lot of aunts, I have a lot of (laughs) sisters. Um, and I've seen like my grandmothers had to give up careers, uh, to take care of their brothers or their husbands. And really, I think got cheated out of some opportunities. Um, and so I, 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 yeah, I'm all about women's empowerment. So uh, I think that's awesome. Um, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, um, on Instagram, that's where I'm most uh, most active, I would say. It's at literallybrokeblog. Okay. And then my website is literallybroke.com. And those are where you can find most updated info and what's going on. Yeah, well, I, um, I just want to say, like, I really appreciate um, – you, you, you showing up and, and talking about all this. And what I really heard you say um, that I want to reiterate, because we didn't really spend a lot of time on it, but you talked about gratitude <laughs> and um, gratitude, helping other people and um, and and paying forward um, and honoring the people that came before you um, and that uh, really that happiness isn't measured by the amount of dollars, but like find what your passion is. Uh, spend on what gives you pleasure and, and like, yeah, really just like own that. Like there's mm-hmm. no shame in the path you choose. Um, but, but choose it and, and go for it really. Yeah. I well, mean, totally. That is so awesome. Well, I'm so appreciative to have you here, Scarlett. Um, and, uh, again, to the audience here, please don't forget to share the love. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram search for money. You should ask all one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. Um, Scarlett, awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing. Thank you so much for having me.